this podcast, Green Business Impact, and especially this episode, looks to call attention to the fact that we need to support startups that are making a difference in this world. And in this episode, we talk a little more broadly about startups that are having an impact, not just for the climate, but also in terms of education and health as well, because these topics are also extremely important. And what you find when you start diving into each of these things, when you help any one of these individual areas, you find that they also help the other two. And in this interview, I speak with Finn. He's the investor relations manager at Capicura. Capicura is an early stage impact investor that acts in multiple different capacities in order to fund impact startups that are making a difference in the areas of health, education, and the environment. However, they are doing way more than just investing in startups. So make sure you stick around through this entire interview to see exactly how they're transforming startups in Germany. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. All right, Finn, do you mind telling us a little bit about Capicura and what you guys do? Yeah, of course. First of all, thanks for having me. And uh, while we're already at it, you're actually my first podcast or interview appearance I have. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about myself and also about what we do at Kapakura. So we are an early stage impact investor and we focus on the issue areas of health, education, and the environment. And our mission is first to invest more capital into those areas because those are especially in early stage and still underfunded. And secondly, we want to democratize impact investing. So That means that we are enabling everyone to participate in the economic success of our portfolio companies. We believe more capital should be employed in those areas, but it should not only be reserved to people who have the financial means, like classical uh, business angels, but open up more people invest their money in a sustainable startup than just putting it in Amazon stocks or some Tesla stocks. Definitely. With the different parts of impact that you mentioned earlier, do you have a couple of examples that you can give us for each of those? Yeah, of course. I think what is quite important in the beginning is the question, what is impact investing or what does that actually mean? And there's quite a distinction between impact investing and ESG investing. Actually, there are quite some actors in the venture capital space who use both those concepts in the same sentence where we sometimes think, I don't know, it's not really right, I think, to put them in the same category because ESG investing normally focuses on doing less harm, whereas impact investing really focuses on doing more good. So we really only exclusively invest in startups that are actively contributing to positive change, let it be in the areas of education, health, or the environment. So an example from the area of health, is one of our oldest impact startups. I think we invested in 2018 in the startup there based in Berlin. And it's basically the headspace for children. It focuses on meditation training for children and their families. And especially in Corona times, this has been a topic that has been developing more and became more apparent. And that startup really focuses on contributing to positive mental well-being for children and especially also 
the families. Um, in the area of education, we have, for instance, the startup Quisco. They develop from AI-based approach learning material like flashcards or other materials. And just by recording conversation like we have or skimming through a PDF, they can create learning material, which is really accustomed to the needs of the person that is learning. Because I guess you have experienced maybe the same problems. You're writing flashcards and the process Cheerio. of doing it maybe is fun, but later you realize while learning it, they are just uh, in a corner. So they really focus on providing education material, which you actually use. And in the areas of environment, we have very interesting startups. One stop is bee sharing. They connect people in the agriculture space, people who are cultivating bees and farmers, and they really want to create a more regional and regenerative agriculture because the agricultural area is one of the biggest polluters of our environment, but also has the biggest potential actually to sequester a lot of carbon and also to create more biodiversity again. So they really focus on, on that topic of creating more biodiversity. Another amazing startup is Everwave. They focus on cleaning up our rivers from garbage wastes and their business model actually includes, you give me one euro and they take basically one euro, but one kilogram worth of plastic or garbage out of the ocean. So it's a quite an easy business model and they really focus on B2B. They work together with big companies and such as MasterCard or Alcoa. For instance, another amazing startup is Eevee. They created an app which helps you to track your own CO2 footprint. They also focus on the B2B space. While you are joining the app, they ask you a few questions about your individual consumption, carbon footprint, how you travel, what you consume food-wise, how often do you go on vacation? And with that, they can basically get a calculation on your average CO2 footprint and they positively nudge you to actually create um, a difference. So they don't tell you, don't do this, don't do that, but rather give you some alternatives to consider. So it's more about creating positivity instead of just uh, pointing fingers and saying, you do this wrong and you do that. But that's just a short example of uh, some of the amazing startups that we have in our portfolio. That's really awesome. And I especially connect with that last one there because I think a lot of the previous climate change, things that you could do and things to make it better, we're all focused around, like, oh, don't do this and stop doing this and all these like negative things. And people saw that as, oh man, I just, it created a lot of negative emotions because it's this negative, it, it just takes away from people's, the way they're living, the way they're living their lives. They have to change these behaviors that they don't want to do. And it makes it so difficult to see that change because you might get the radicals or the believers to go and change because they really believe in this stuff. But you got to get that middle group of however much 70% or something of people who they're like, they might care if it was easy for them to do, but if it's going to be difficult and it's going to make their life worse, they're just like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to spend the time to do that. So you can't just focus on like the radical people and you can't just, you don't have to worry about that people are just never going to do it no matter what, but you got to focus on the a huge percentage of people in the middle who might be swayed if it was just easy enough and just an easy enough choice and it didn't like negatively impact them so drastically but a lot of the suggestions of what to do before were just oh stop doing this stop doing that stop doing this <laughs> yes we need to change your life but there's also like really great ways to substitute and do things that are, they don't have such a negative impact they can also have a very positive impact for ourselves positive impact on the environment on our wallets like it, it can be positive all around definitely love that last one. yeah i also think it's we definitely all need to change the way we consume but also the way we invest money because i think that's 
even the more pressing issue. And it's always a, a way of communicating it. And I think through positivity and telling you how you can change in a positive way and maybe it has benefits for your own health, the people who are surrounding you. You meet people at a different ground. And I always think conflict in itself is a good thing, but it really depends how you come up and open up the place for discussion. By focusing rather on that approach, I think in general, we can earn all meet up in the middle instead of just uh, creating more frontiers and differences. Definitely, I agree completely. And I'd like to ask this question just by you. How did you end up here with uh, Kabikura? Yeah, I sometimes ask uh, myself that question because it's a quite good one. I don't have a financial background and we are investing in startups, which normally, more classically, you do with a financial background. I originally come from the area of international relations. So focusing on the interconnectedness between politics, economics, law, but also society and culture. And I got very much interested in the debates about food security and food sovereignty. So how can we give enough food in a sustainable way to enough people in the years to come without destroying our planet or actually vitalizing it through the means of regenerative agriculture? After my bachelor's, which I did in the Netherlands, I started my master's in Sweden. I'm focusing on rural development and management of natural resources. So we had, of course, a focus on rural areas, also primarily in the global. But we also talked about areas within the EU because also there we have heavy migration from rural areas to the urban areas. So how can you strengthen the economy through different means of entrepreneurship? Primarily it is in the areas of agriculture because rural areas are dominated by that. And there I got in touch with an own idea to create my own impact startup. Basically was focusing on reducing food waste from food and beverage companies and to connect them with farmers because often they are still quite rich in nutrients. And I was involved in an accelerator for various months, but then realized that I was completely on my own and didn't find the right people to start the idea with or to actually start the startup. And it was also towards the end of my master. So I had a lot to do writing my thesis and working on the idea. And then I actually literally stumbled across the podcast from where our CEO was a guest speaker. And I was just thinking that sounds pretty interesting, the mission of Kapakura. And uh, I just reached out via LinkedIn, texted him saying what you're doing, I think is pretty amazing. I love the idea of investing in impact startups while democratizing impact investing or investing in general, because more people should have access and deploy their money in a sustainable way. And I didn't see myself completely in the area of development work, but also not the entrepreneurship since I, I did that for six months and I was also involved in another project. And for me, that was the perfect middle ground. And out of a text, this came around one month later. I got a job offer and then moved back to Germany after living five years abroad. And I also think the development with Corona and everything, uh, I didn't see my family and friends for quite some time. I also played a bit in that decision that I wanted to come back to Germany and start a new adventure. I've been doing that since October, so it has been almost 10 months and it has been an amazing, amazing and interesting ride. A lot of ups, some downs, of course, along the way, but I do it with amazing people and we have amazing idea and I think that's also the most important part in what I want to do with my life. I want to do with people I feel connected to and I want to have the feeling, at least in my perception, that are contributing to something positive for the people surrounding me or the planet. Definitely. And since you come from this regenerative farming background, I wanted to ask you a question because I was actually interviewing a company called Carbon Book yesterday and mm -hmm. they were talking a lot about indoor farming and the future of that space and also talking about how indoor farms 
can have a significantly more of a carbon footprint than outdoor ag. And it was, she was mentioning like up to 10 times as large of a carbon footprint. I just would love to hear your perspective on what do you think about the future of indoor ag and your background in regenerative agriculture as well. First of all, I wouldn't say I am an expert in regenerative <laughs> agriculture, anything alike. Yeah, that's fine. I just that's fine. really got interested in, into that area because I was involved in a permaculture project myself in university. And then I was writing my thesis actually focusing on regenerative agriculture and the people who are doing regenerative agriculture. And I was focusing on their relationships towards nature and the other elements in nature. So I was more focusing on that subjective experience and the relationships you have towards the elements of nature, let it be animals, the landscape, or of course, the, but while doing that, I of course got more and more into that idea. So I stumbled across the concept of holistic grazing as well, which is by the Savory Institute, quite a famous talk actually, which uh, focuses on the importance or actually the benefit of uh, grazing holistically with animals because uh, animals are often depicted as the main cause for climate change and the from CO2. And that was quite interesting because I was talking to different farmers who were doing holistic grazing in Sweden and uh, focusing more regenerative. And they did, of course, outdoors and uh, they were really focusing on nourishing the grounds and also creating uh, more biodiversity. And it really depends on the machines you use, for instance, whether you plow or how deep you plow, whether you open up the grounds in itself. So I don't have the exact numbers on that, but I was also just listening actually to a podcast yesterday, focusing on regenerative agriculture, or investing in regenerative agriculture. And there they actually showed some numbers where you actually create a win-win-win situation. So you sequester carbon, you create more or better food, which is more healthier for your body, and you're actually more effective while doing it. So on the same amount of ground, square meters, you can actually produce sometimes even more than with conventional agriculture. But coming then to your question with indoor farming, I think it also really depends again on how you do it, because you can also be way more effective with the use of your resources. And depending on what type you sometimes don't need to use or very little pesticides, for instance, as well you can use less water and reuse it. And you can do agriculture on places where you normally could do it. They even do it in places in Iceland. The Netherlands is one of the biggest exporters of agriculture product, giving the size of the country, you would not imagine it, but they do a lot of greenhouse or farming in greenhouses. So I really think it's a mix of those two. And in my opinion, also what I was thinking or writing about in my thesis is we, of course, need to change our relationship towards our surrounding and the environment. But it doesn't mean that we completely neglect the merits of technology or AI-based solutions because we can use technology for the benefit of our environment and connect those two. And so then I think, especially with indoor farming, it has a lot of benefits as well, using technology to be more effective in the use of your resources. Yeah, definitely not. I can't agree more. And plus ag tech is this, this huge field that is booming right now. There's so much going into that, both in outdoor ag and indoor ag. And it's, there's so much going on in that space. It's, it's an ex very exciting time, especially because we're reaching the point we're going up to 9 billion people. Eventually we need to be able to feed 9 billion mouths. So it's one of those things where agriculture is what's going to feed those mouths. And so we have to find ways in order to do so more sustainably.
for the future because we already have all the arable land basically on the planet has is already either being used or is being taken up by cities and all sorts of other stuff. So we need to be able to use what we have more efficiently. And I think that regenerative agriculture and the developments in tech is definitely going to help. Yeah, definitely. And I just uh, was also mentioned that podcast and I was reading it in a few sources before as well, that if we continue the way we do agriculture and everything around it, we have around 60 harvests left until our grounds are completely dead and then you cannot even harvest anything anymore. So it is also really a matter of what we are doing and not the survival of the planet, but really the survival of us humans. And I want to talk a little bit more about Kapikura and what you guys are doing in terms of democratizing your portfolio and allowing investors who maybe don't have the general standards that most investors have to have. Do you see a negative impact of having this democratization with people being able to invest only like a thousand dollars or something like that? Not really. It's just that the concept we have is quite new. You have had some developments in that space previously with crowd investments. So it's the concept of investing small amounts in startups in that way is not new, but what is quite different from our approach to classical crowd investment platforms is that we are always invested ourselves. So in that way, we function as a VC and we deploy also always smart capital. So we help the startups and give them support in business development, in marketing, tech expertise, and of course, open up to our networks. And it's not really new that we are enabling more people to invest in startups. What is quite different is that we invested ourselves and we actively manage those startups. And some people, when they, of course, look at the cost structure, something we have, first of all, they don't know what work was included in screening the startups previously, pre-selecting them, doing the due diligence, and then also actively managing. So for a lot, it's just, okay, you just have some startups on your platform. I would like to invest in those. And some people have not really had the access yet to startup investments. You have to do a lot of groundwork on actually what does it mean to invest through Kapakura because all the investors who invest into our portfolio companies, they get profit participation rights. And so they participate in the economic success of the startups, but they don't actually own the shares. The great advantage of that model is for startups that the cap table is kept clean. So they are very attractive for following financial rounds with bigger investors and for the retail investors who start maybe investing a thousand euro or 10,000, 20,000, they actually have access to the startups because normally, as I mentioned before, those startup investments rather reserved for business angels. And it starts maybe from 50,000 euros onwards. It's also going down now, but with us, we have from, yeah, the 20 year old student, or maybe uh, who just started uh, her first employment and wants to invest sustainably to, to a business angel who doesn't have maybe the time, the, the finances for that startup or the know-how to support the startup, but the, the person wants to invest in that startup and the person can do it through us. They really see the benefits and advantages of that, but some people who are not in that startup ecosystem, they don't actually know what it means on all the work, which is behind screening those startups and managing them. So I think that is some of the questions we get in the beginning of the conversations, but in general, everyone loves the idea to be able to get more people to invest because we all have the same ideas and the same values in investing in sustainable companies. So also the business angel who might be investing with us 20 or 30 or 40,000 euros sees the advantage of including 
also of smaller retail investors because we all work hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. And that's really awesome that you're, you're really putting your money right into these companies and really working with them and being able to help them along the way. And especially because you have that experience and can allow angel investors who maybe don't have as much time or don't have as experience in that area to lead into you guys and be able to say, they're going through this process. They've done it with so and so number of companies beforehand. They know they have this process down and I don't have to risk my money. But I really want to be able to invest in an impact startup. So being able to do both of those things can be really beneficial for somebody. Yeah. And exactly and with us, you can also diversify the risk. So with thousand euros, you can actually invest in our portfolio. So right now we have 16 startups in our portfolio in which you can invest. So you can also really diversify your risks. And so that starts with a thousand euro investments and also experienced business angels, maybe then invest 20,000 euros, not in one startup, but in five. So they can also diversify their risks and use it as a complete portfolio strategy. So maybe they have some, some own business angel tickets, some investments in stocks or property. And with us, they use a small share to also invest in impact startups, but in a broader portfolio. Definitely. That's really awesome. And if any ecopreneur might be in the audience who might be interested in learning how they can apply to be a startup in Capicura, how can they get started? What is that process like? What do they need to qualify? Yeah, sure. First of all, we so far exclusively only invest in startups based in Germany. We are having thoughts and already first discussions with startups also based outside Germany, that'd be Austria, Switzerland. So I guess the next thing on the road ahead is going to be on the expansion to the German speaking Dach region. But yeah, so far you have to be located in Germany. And then you can just apply via our website. You upload your pitch deck and fill out two questionnaires. And then you basically in our application process. So we developed an AI-based selection tool, which helps us in the screening of the startups. And that tool exclusively focuses on various aspects, including the business model and the strategic fit to Kapakura and vice versa, because we only invest in companies where we can also give smart capital into access to our networks and knowledge. We really look at the, what other people behind the idea, how are they connected? What is their knowledge and do they will contribute from each other? Really look at the vision of the team. So what is their strategy for the next years? Are they planning to have a quick exit or are they planning to create a company which lasts for a long time? None of those sectors are like uh, excluding, but it helps us in deciding how we can help the startup. And the most important part is the timing. So we really look, what is the timing of the idea? What is the competition? So is the idea ahead of the curve? Is it already behind it or is it on top? You focus on those areas and the AI basically creates an eight to nine pager in advance. So we screen around hundred startups per month. In the last two years, we have screened over 3000 startups. And with that, basically it's pre-selects them. So every month we get around five startups, which are interesting from those issue areas. And then our investment team comes and looks at them more in detail. And uh, then we have one once a month pitch day where the startups present their ideas in front of our investment committee. So that's the process and investment with us can take, let's say around about between two weeks and two months, depending on when you apply. We actively scout as well with the help of our networks, if there are some interesting startups, we also really actively approach them, but every startup, nevertheless, if we actively go to them or they apply for a website, all have to basically go through that process because we really want to connect the objective AI based approach with the human vision on it, because especially in early stage startup investments, 
it's sometimes hard to evaluate business models or different factors. So with that, we can combine the best out of those two approaches. That's really cool. And you mentioned that for the companies or startups that are applying, they have to be based in Germany right now and then expanding to the Dutch area. But anybody can invest in these companies, right? Exactly. So we have investors, some in the US actually, uh, Norway, Austria, Switzerland, Belgium, France. So we already expanded the network of investors, but most of our investors are still based in, let's say, the German-speaking regions of Germany, Austria, Switzerland, because most of the communication we have and is still in German, but we are also working on that. We, of course, also have contracts in English. So basically you can invest from anywhere in the world into those startups. And especially, I think quite interesting for international investors as well, who want to invest their money, maybe in German startups to have access to that network. And that way we're always, of course, looking for people who are also interested in investing their money in German startups. And uh, there we definitely don't exclude uh, anyone who wants to invest uh, their money into our portfolio companies. Definitely. And how would somebody, if they're interested in investing, how would they go through that process? You can always uh, definitely just contact me via LinkedIn, WhatsApp, email. I'm always uh, reachable on basically all uh, social media platforms as well. Um, you can also just directly go onto our website and book an appointment with me or one of my colleagues. And in that call, we can just give you some more information, Kapaku, what we're doing, the startups we have in our portfolio. So the various means, if you want to get in contact with us. Awesome. And what are your goals for the rest of 2022, 2023 for Kapaku? For 2022, so far, we have 18 portfolio startups and we invested in, and we definitely want to get to a minimum of 25 this year. I think we're on a good road. We are in a lot of due diligence processes. So far, around 180 people invested through Kapakura. We definitely still want to get that number high up as well. And so that's the focus areas for this year. For next year, it's the expansion towards the Dach region, so Austria and Switzerland also focusing more on the investor networks there. So there we different discussions with startups, but also with different business angel syndicates as well, and just grow further, probably get a, around the 40 startups, I think in our portfolio, grow our team. I was number eight in October. Now we are at 16 or 17. And maybe if we talk in a year from now, we might have doubled that grow as a team, get more amazing companies into our portfolio and tell more people about what we're doing and that you can invest your money in a sustainable way and that actually doesn't destroy our planet or society, but that actively works to create a positive impact on those two. Definitely. That's awesome. And I love to ask this question because I think a lot of people are out there under, trying to understand a lot of different things. You can always learn so many different things that are out there. So I'd love to hear what are you currently learning right now? Yeah, I've been reading a lot on impact investing measurements because it is still quite early and there are not really yet tools which are put into practice, especially for startups. This is not my focus area at my current job or the position I have, but so we just created our own impact measurement team within Kapakura. So I'm reading also a lot of information on that because I'm just really interested in how to measure the impact and also the positive and or negative externalities. I'm reading some articles on that and how you can put the theoretical concepts into practice. And then since I'm having a lot of discussions or conversations also with people to convince them to invest their money into our portfolio companies, I've been reading Never Split the Difference by Chris Foss. He was a former FBI hostage negotiator, quite, quite a different area. 
but I think a lot of aspects are similar when it comes to negotiating or convincing people. And it's a lot focusing on the way you communicate. So I've been always very interested in how I am perceived by others when I'm talking by the means of language or body language, but also the chosen words and also to learn how my counterpart is reacting or the language he or she uses. The book also focuses on that. So some techniques, how to understand your way of communicating but also your counterpart. So I've been reading that book and tried to learn more in that area. And I've been working again on my Spanish. It has been a few months or a few years actually since I've been living in Spain. That's the worst thing right now. And I like to improve that again. But I have some Argentinian friends here in Cologne. I'm working on that, uh, let's say, in my free time. Definitely. That's great. Yeah, and I think that's really awesome how you're reading about the FBI negotiator who is able to do that communication because there's so many things that we say subtly and then also with our body language that we say that it can completely change a conversation or make things go completely differently just based on very subtle things that you say. So I'm sure that book has a plethora of examples of that oh yeah definitely it's also a way of active listening are you actually listening to what the other person is saying to you or are you just like uh, skimming through some words and then saying yeah hey, okay but you want to put your agenda first and i think that comes back to the example of ev where it's about how do you communicate and through for which mean and i think that's a thing you need everywhere let it be your personal relationships to your friends family your partner you need the relationship with your coworkers. It's definitely uh, something which helps you to understand yourself, but also, of course, the people surrounding you. So I think that's uh, definitely a very good skill to improve or to just understand yourself and how you are reacting, but also create reactions in others. Definitely. And it applies to everybody, no matter what you're trying to do, no matter what your occupation, whether you've got a business you're trying to run, whether you are have a job or you're an employee somewhere, like the way you communicate with people is so important and it impacts so many things and so many choices and so many decisions in, throughout your life. So being able to do that effectively is really important for everyone oh yeah definitely i've made my experience as well in this job when i started that of course you really try to understand especially if you didn't convince someone or a person reacts in a, in a certain way you have to ask yourself a lot okay what did i actually say what was the message i conveyed and a lot of actually is in front of a camera as well we're all used to having zoom calls or google meetups or things alike but i think it's really difficult to create a connection as well through these means it's definitely better than the telephone. And I guess we somehow all improved doing it, but that was also something I really had to, I had to think and really try how can I convey a message through the means of, which of course doesn't always work perfectly. And I'm always trying to reevaluate the approaches I do, but it's really interesting because it just gives you yet another means of communication, which you have to consider while you are in a conversation with, with someone on the other side of the world. That's great. And I know we mentioned it before, how people can get in touch with you and find you guys, but do you mind just here at the end, do you mind telling everybody if they're interested in learning more about Kavagira and what you guys do, how can they get in touch? Yeah. I think first of all, everyone should really read more about the importance of investing your money in a sustainable way, not only investing, but also having your money at a sustainable bank, because I think what most people don't understand or rather focus on is their individual consumption behavior. So eating less meat, buying clothes, which are fairly produced, which is super important, but you actually have a way bigger impact or influence on our society and the environment. 
if you have your money as a sustainable bank or and or you invested in sustainable assets that of course doesn't have to be startups and we would also advise all of our investors not to invest all of their money into startups because it's of course a risky investment so we tell everyone next to your impact investments you do with kapakura focus also on other areas which have a positive impact so i think that is really important if you want to dive more into those topics just start listening to some more podcasts on impact investing uh, impact entrepreneurship and uh, the power your money can have also in a positive way so i think that's my first take on that and secondly Feel free to approach me, go to our website. It is so far still in German, but if you go on Google Chrome or some other providers, you get the direct translation. You get more information on our startups and some of them also actively communicate in English. For instance, the startup Everwave, which cleans up our rivers. They actually work throughout the whole world. They have right now a mission in Cambodia, where in the last month they already collected over 66,000 kilos of plastic waste. Next to collecting uh, waste, they also do raise awareness campaigns. So they educate also people because it's also really important. And go onto our website, you will find a lot of very interesting startups that are creating a positive impact and it be in the areas of education, health or the environment. Because that's an important lesson I learned. I come from the area of environment. So for me, out of my personal choice, that is more connected to my personal values. But I also talk to people who come from the areas of education or health. And for them, impact or impact startups are more connected to those areas or the people understand it. I think that the amazing with impact investing is that you are actually happy to tell people what you invested in. All the people who invested in our startups are also working as ambassadors, so to speak, because they are happy to use the products or the service of our startups and actively tell people, hey, I made an investment in Everwave, which cleans up our rivers. I made an investment in Aomi, they help children and their families to live more in peace with themselves. And I think that's the great thing because you don't have to hide your investments because there's still a negative connotation to where profit is, always someone has to pay. And our vision or the mission we have is with us, you create profit, but without the expense of others and our planet. And I think it's just amazing because you can get a complete different feeling towards investing in companies because you don't only do it with the, the focus on profit, but at the same time also focusing on the impact it generates. And it's an exciting mission. And I can just really tell everyone to, to focus more on those areas, how you can invest your money, let it be startups or other means. There are a lot of different projects as well out there where you can invest your money in sustainable ways and get more into action, use your money for a force for good and stay positive. That's great. Thank you so much, Finn, for jumping on the call and being with us during this interview today. It's been really awesome having you on and it was really awesome to learn all about what you guys do and about impact investing and really going deep into that. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so, so much for inviting me. I think our contact also developed through a LinkedIn post I did a few weeks back. Okay. Also take never underestimate the power of uh, social networks or LinkedIn. Very happy to have had our first conversation a few weeks back and I'm excited to what you're going to do with, with this format. And thanks again for having me and a year from now, we talk again and we have oh, definitely. more <laughs> in our portfolio and created a bigger momentum in uh, Germany and uh, Europe with impact investing. Oh, definitely. We'll definitely have you back on in the future. I'd <laughs> love to hear an update from you. So thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks a lot. And if you enjoyed learning about how Capacura is investing in impact startups in the areas of education, health, 
and the environment and is democratizing impact investing for everyone, then I invite you to check out this interview with Lauren Washington, the co-founder and CEO of Funder, where we go in depth into all the things that you need to consider when you're looking to raise capital for your business. And make sure you pay attention to some of the things that Lauren mentions are the, some of the biggest misconceptions that entrepreneurs have when it comes to looking for funding for their startup. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.